You are listening to Get Real Podcast. The universe that we live in is not only incomprehensible to our finite little brains, but it is actually quite frightening if you think about it. Think about this, Dan. The happy sun that's on the box of Raisin Bran with the two scoops. The sun that gives us light and warmth. If we get too close to it, what's going to happen to us? We're going to die. Totally. Then you think that through our atmosphere, there are all these meteors and asteroids that pass it. Well, if the vector just gets off just a little bit, guess what's going to happen? It's going to hit the Earth and probably kill us. Then you think about these things called black holes, where the gravity is so strong that even light cannot escape. You know, you're lighting up the world right now with happiness. (laughs) I know I am. Guess what's going to happen if you get stuck in a black hole, Dan? (laughs) You're probably going to die. (laughs) So all of these things that are wondrous that are part of our universe and how it all works together, I'm not exactly sure, are actually quite frightening. It's a gauntlet of sorts. It is. Well, just even think about here on Earth, the ocean. Love it. We need water. You need an ocean to surf because you like to surf. But if you get caught in the undertow, what's going to happen? Yeah, death. Boy, we're just really, really happy today, aren't we? (laughs) It's the Happy Dan and Happy Glenn show today. Well, not only are the things that we see in the universe frightening, but the sounds of the universe can be frightening as well. I can probably best explain it this way. If you listen to the sounds of the universe, it sounds like a New Age acid trip. It's very something that we talked about in the past. It's very psychedelic. And everything in the universe emits a frequency or a sound. I didn't know this until yesterday, but the magnetic sphere around the Earth emits a rhythm much like a drum. Hmm. The Earth's magnetic sphere. So in space, stars, planets, all of these celestial bodies, they give off sounds. Basically, they sing. Now, these sounds are carried in plasma waves, and the plasma waves have to be read and interpreted through electronics to get those sounds out. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We don't have the ears for it. We don't have the ears for it, but God does. And that's what he listens to. That's what he hears. And to us, it's very eerie. It's very creepy. It's not the Gaither vocal band that you hear up there. If if you scientifically look at the threshold of feeling to the threshold of like, you know, I don't know, some people claim to hear 20,000 kilohertz, Mm -hmm. but um, from the feeling of bass, boom, boom, right? All the way to way up top. It's a very narrow dynamic, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot going on. There's a lot being sung, declaring the glory of God that you can't hear and I can't hear. Perhaps your dog could might Might be able to hear it. When you go to Job chapter 38, I like to take the book of Job and put it right next to the book of Genesis. Why it's a little bit further out in the canon, I'm not exactly sure. But there's so much about creation in the book of Job. It is the oldest book in Scripture. Genesis is not. Genesis is recount 
all the things that happened in the book of Job and everything that was spoken was way before Moses even existed. But in Job chapter 38, uh, when the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, kind of. That is so metal. <laughs> so, so metal. Uh, th- that is one way I would not want the Lord to respond to me, though, is out of the whirlwind. I, no, thank you. Let's just kind of stay on the other side of the whirlwind. In verse 4 of chapter 38, this is what the Lord said to Job. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Uh, nope, don't. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> who hath laid the measurement of the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Uh, Job didn't have the answer to any of these. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Let's go back there. When the morning stars sang together. Science has proven through the plasma waves that the stars do sing. It's scientific fact. The word for stars... Hebrew word is kokob, and I went through Strong's Concordance, and I did a study on it, because there are a lot of people who say, well, those stars in there, those refer to the heavenly angels singing, because stars can't sing. No, that word stars is the same one where God said to Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. It is referring specifically to the luminous celestial bodies. Hmm. Then the word sang, this is very interesting, is ronan, which means ringing cry. And when we listen to the plasma waves in just a few minutes, you're going to hear the ring in them. And that's what the stars do. This took me back to Nightwish's Shudder Before the Beautiful and the breakdown, where the lyrics are the unknown, the grand show, the choir of the stars, interstellar theater play. Hmm. So if you listen to the ringing stars and the sounds of the solar system as i said it's very frightening it would sound like a new age acid acid trip and nasa we can say what we want about them but they have posted these i will (laughs) they have posted online the ability for you to listen to what the plasma waves sound like and i want to do that for a minute now it could be that nasa's playing a trick on us with this and it's just thomas dolby playing a synthesizer <laughs> blinding us with science no there's a, there's a lot out there and we can we can see the heavenly bodies and we can understand do you know that the transatlantic cable one of the first ones run across the ocean um because of the electromagnetics of everything going on that was picking up a i believe it's a quasar and they could hear, they could hear this noise, this um, static. Okay. And they were like, where is it? What What are we getting? And they had no idea. And the guys that actually heard it but didn't know what it was, they won the Nobel Prize. Prize? And okay. they, they said that it was the black hole, actually, that was at the center of our universe. They were close. My cosmology's in flux, so I don't understand what that means. But there are things out there. I actually wrote a song. The Grateful Dead did some songs based off the beats that were being... A quasar will, like, rotate and... They make these weird, like, beats and stuff. And I actually wrote a song in the chord progression of the chord stroke, the the rhythm, the, the, the way I play the guitar is actually in the exact rhythm of a particular quasar. Oh, wow. And, and it's, it's interesting. So, anyway, go ahead. So... Let's take a quick listen to a few of these sounds here. The first one that I'm going to play for us is the sound of the sun. 
It's what the sun sounds like. It's, okay. it's radio transmission. Sing to me, son. Sun sing. It's pretty eerie, isn't it? Hmm. Sounds like something out of Doctor Who. Um, so that's what the sun sounds like. Next one I'm going to play is the moon Encladus, which is the sixth largest moon of Saturn. Pretty trippy, isn't it? Interesting. Isn't that interesting? The sixth moon of Saturn? Yes, yeah, sixth hmm. largest moon of Saturn. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Next one is Ganymede, which is Jupiter's largest moon. Oh, let me rewind here. Pretty trippy stuff, huh? So then the last one that we have for your entertainment today, and then what I did is I mixed these all together. Hold it. Okay, that is stardust from a comet. So we just processed all of those listening to them one at a time, and it's pretty eerie. It's not what I would tune into personally to listen to <laughs> at the end of a long hard day at the lo- end of a long hard I day i like to listen to the sixth moon of saturn <laughs> so i mixed them all together and i just can't comprehend this but this is what it would sound like somewhat from a heavenly perspective if you were sitting in heaven and listening to the choir of the stars this is everything that we just played all together Other than the fact it's really hot in the headphones, it's bright. (laughs) But that actually I find to be the word that came to my mind was expanding. Because I sit there and I think about the origins of the universe and the unfolding of the singularity and just what God did and how everything is stranger than fiction from trilobites to my own consciousness. I'm sitting there going like, ah, you know, and trying to discern truth and trying to grasp the world and the afterlife and everything around me. And when I hear that, I I find that to be fascinating. That you say that is interesting. If we played that at a Baptist church convention, hey, listen to my new uh, mix here. And we just played that and didn't tell them what it is. We would probably get thrown out for playing new age sounds and new age music. It's not Logos, brother, because it does not follow what uh, so-and-so in his volume of books. (laughs) I edited. I self-edited. I'm going to hold back. You you self-edited that. Well, I'm excited about today's guest. He's a emerging artist. His name is Andrew Williams. And his music, what he does is he develops and creates soundscapes similar to this to express biblical truth. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. So we'll be right back in a moment with Andrew Williams and his soundscapes. Andrew, welcome to the Get Real podcast. I failed to mention this before we got into this interview. Andrew is one of our listeners. 
So Andrew, how would you best describe your music and your musical project? Um, that is a really good question. Um, if I'm, if I'm to kind of just look at the surface of the sound of what I'm actually trying to do, I don't know if I can throw it into any kind of genre. Um, I, I don't know if I can classify it into a genre, to be honest, because the ideas themselves are more like, um, what were we saying? Like, like an outline work for something that is to come possibly. So it's, when I, when I listen to it or when I share it with people, a lot of people say, oh, that sounds like indie music. Or they say it sounds like, um, it sounds kind of electronica or it sounds like it has kind of a, what was the word? Kind of like a galactic sound to it. Kind of a starry, kind of like a starscape type you know, vibe. That's a good genre. Like Starscape. Starscape. <laughs> and brand new I mean, one. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like I, I literally I could sit around all day and try to find genres to to set these sounds into, but in that process I get so distracted sometimes because I'm like, what am I really trying to do with these tracks? Am I trying to make them a genre or am I trying to say something with them? So it's it's one of those things where it's I, – I know that the tendency of the sound is to kind of direct towards this um, kind of like an EDM-ish thing or kind of like what's going on in a lot of the um, – I'll try to I'll try to be less stereotypical. And, That's okay. And also, like, the, the, the new age festivals that go on all over the place. You have you have Ozora, you have High Sierra, you have Lightning in a Bottle, you have <clears throat> a lot of these really 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 awesome festivals that have all this potential. But while I was there during my run through California, I didn't see anybody proclaiming the name of Christ. And so after being like really influenced by the genre and seeing how how much potential that that community has, it made me just sit and kind of scratch my head like, wow, there's so much cool, innovative stuff going on here. Why is nobody talking about God is basically what I came to. <clears throat> so I go ahead. I like that <laughs> genre that you came up with Starscape, because before we got into this interview, Dan and I were listening to some of the NASA sounds of the stars. And that's all things that God um, created. And when you look in Job chapter 38, it talks about the stars singing. And when I listen to your soundscapes, when I listen to your music, it just evokes in my mind visions of creation and, and the universe in a way that I've never perceived it before. And I think for a lot of people, especially those who follow Christ and are born again, they've only envisioned the universe in a very narrow box. And what you hear, to me, what I hear in the new age is just what exists in the universe, but not towards God, really. It, it leaves it leaves God out of it, if, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Would you I agree, Dan? Well, I think there's a lot of imbalance 
like in current church, people get a lot into because there's there's two facets of, of theology or doctrine. And one is the perception of the creation around you leading you to an understand of God, God's his Godhead, the divinity, the understanding. And there's so much churchianity to pick up word or whatever yeah. that is like based off of, well, the twangy preacher said this and this and this and this, and we're going to grab onto that group think. And it's not necessarily resonant with with both sides of it to like the, the, the universe, the stars, the everything. And I found your music to be absolutely captivating. I did. We do a lot of interviews. We do a lot of different genres. This was one of the most enjoyable things that I've listened to. It's truly unique. I found it to be stirring. I found it to be um, intrinsically observational. To That may sound weird. I think you get it. But it was like, man, this is like somebody looking and thinking and trying to perceive from uh, the, the one you're looking at clouds, you're looking at this, you're thinking about the origins of life itself, you're thinking about God and whatever that means, you know, biblically and in your understanding and consciousness. And dude, just I really, really, really enjoy your music. I do, man. This is not uh, not putting that on. That's that's absolutely um, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to listen to your stuff. You know, one of the tracks that we listened to this afternoon Andrew was Ark. What is it that you're trying to express through that particular piece of work? Okay, so actually, I think this is Dan, right? This is I'm, I'm Glenn, Glenn and Dan. I'm Glenn, yeah, and this I'm is Dan. Dan. There we go. Yep. Okay, okay. It is really cool to meet you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the kind words. Um, to be really honest with you, man, like, you, I think you answered my question for me better than I can answer it. Like you really, you really, really, really summed it up really well when you were talking about the beginning of creation. Like I have kind of a rear cover art for Hydra and in the rear cover art, there's a few verses that I have that are relevant to the tracks. And for Ark, one of them is just the first, the first few pieces of scripture out of Genesis where it talks about creation. And um, this is where it gets really, really fascinating is because my original intent when I made that track was just to kind of have, you know, kind of a rough idea of what it might've been like, you know, without planes, without airwaves, without electricity, without, all these crazy things that we get distracted by nowadays, but I really was going for something within stillness. Like I didn't want there to be a drum track to it yet. I was like really experimenting with a lot of different sounds that I've never played with before. So, um, but if I can elaborate a little bit more on the track and kind of what it's coming down to, um, I was thinking about this. Um, there's kind of there's kind of more than just a biblical precept behind it. So I have a daughter. I have a daughter, and I was not in a good place mentally when when she came into the world. And I'm actually really going through some deep stuff inside of me right now 
and just trying to like see what God's trying to say on it. And the more I looked at these tracks, it seemed like, like when I was in Tennessee before my stuff actually disappeared, I had some lyrics wrote out for following ideas, like not Hydra, but I actually had a second EP I was working on also. And so I honestly, last week I was just sitting here and I had some really, really heavy emotions wash across me. And I think, I think Ark is kind of turning into a, um, kind of like me trying to say things that I, I am not able to communicate to her in a kind of poetic form. So it's, you know, I'm hanging out with my friends and they're looking at me like, Oh, he's working on lyrics, but they're like, well, are they're checking. They're saying, Hey, Andrew, are you doing all right in there? You're looking a bit somber. And I'm like, I'm like, so what do you think about this line? And nobody understands what I'm talking about. And I'm sitting there trying to break it down and explain to them. I actually, I would be happy to share with you guys a couple of the lyrics that I have been working on. Please. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have. I mean, it's not polished up. You know, these are rough ideas, but um, this really, like tie, trying to tie that into the beginning of creation and the creation of, 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 of light and darkness and to tie it into, you know, nothingness to like va- the vastness of creation and still finding a way to like be be real but still be creative and expressive and to find that balance is what i'm going for but um yeah let me know when you guys are ready i can just read one to you we're totally ready totally ready okay so the beginning it says um it says welcome to the world my beloved child um tides of merging currents sifting waters beguiled bloom forth and then here's a reference i have to one of the biblic bodies of water in genesis um it says tigris of merciful cascade and so i kind of i kind of used that word because i i mean it's called hydra so it's water related but the tigris it was talking about um you know, the, the tree of, of, of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of knowledge. And it was talking about bodies of water that um, encamp this region when creation was happening. And so I thought it would be really cool to take one of those, those, those bodies of water in Genesis and to tie it to maybe something that hasn't happened yet, but, you know, something I'm having faith in and looking forward to. And so it says, um, it says, bloom forth, Tigris of merciful cascade, um, amend the Jihan. So here's the second reference I have to another piece of water. I think there were four in Genesis. It was the Tigris, the Jihan, the Euphrates, and the, the Pishon, I think. Yes. I think that's, you're correct. I think that's right. Um, so it says, amend the Jihan to view forth the gate. So it was kind of like me looking at this this gap of, you know, I got to cross this 
crazy stream of rushing water that doesn't make any sense and I don't know how to get across it but I know God talked about it at the beginning of creation you know whether he did something directly with it or not I wanted to include that and refer it to kind of the struggle I had been going through so I put afterwards to view forth the gate so it's kind of like I really believe that my whatever he designed me for, I really believe is on the other side of me pursuing this. And I really mean that with everything inside of me. Um, all right. Next, next passage. It says, alas, on letting flood of genetics unsown. That line has to do with, you know, me having the, the paternity results all figured out, but still not being this legalistic, court dependent person that is just like, Hey, this is my way. I want to do like, I've seen what that does to the hearts of kids and people. And I've seen what it does to families. And that's not the role I'm trying to play. So um, next line, it says, "Willed remnants steer our paths the way home, which is kind of like, you know, me taking the time to be, I guess, observant of kind of like people like the different, different patriarchs and prophets and different people in scripture. And to just kind of look at like what our forefathers laid down, like simple principles that worked, that were effective, that stood the test of time and trying to find, um, you know, looking, looking at where we're at in 2020 and knowing that I'm influenced easily and trying to be really smart about how I am, um, how I am influenced or, or who I'm influenced by. Mm. Um, the next one says proposed seasons for the evening of tones. Um, it's another line that has a lot of reference to um, like unsolved probability or proportions that are uncertain. But the, but the essence of what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, my, my role in this is to find something that works for the peaceable reality of everyone, you know? So I, I'm seeing the potential behind it. I'm seeing that at some time or another, when Dakota, my daughter finds out that I'm her dad, if, if that happens, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't know, but if that happens, I wanted to leave some footprints, um, explaining, you know, how, how, how we're celebrating your life literally. And so that's kind of what this, this EP is kind of coming to is just, uh, when I started making it, it was really a lot of unwordable feelings and emotions where I just didn't have words, honestly, to explain myself. All I had were emotions. And so a lot of the sounds were created from that space inside of me. Thank you.
what you're doing, Andrew, is true art. That what Thanks. what you're doing is art in the truest form. And listening to you, the way that this is all starts from the beginning, it starts with the emotion and then it turns into the lyrics. It's not like you're trying to put out an album or drop an album for, you know, to make some money. You're truly expressing what God's put in you. And really, that is the true definition of what we call over here prophetic art. Everything that you're saying, the imagery, the way that the sounds tie in with the imagery, that is prophetic art. It resonates. Yeah, it's like the parallels that you're dealing with. You're talking about these four rivers and creation and and the birthing of all things and Genesis and the creation of the world, paralleling with um, your own patriarchal thing. The observation of your daughter and the questioning and the and the viewpoint of your own humanity and your own fallibility and and the beauty and the tenderness, but the separation between you. Just all of that's there. And I totally get when you said that you try to explain your thoughts and then some of your friends are like, what? They, they don't get it, right? I, I write some music and, and sometimes, a lot of times, other than Glenn, <laughs> whatever special <laughs> talent you have. I'm special. I, I get on this podcast. I talk to Glenn on the phone. We, we do things and I write music because a lot of the things that bounce around in my mind nobody gets <laughs> or I, or it's yeah. so elaborate you need more colors than are on the palette of conversation to be able to paint for someone so when you go into music and sound and, and things that haven't necessarily been heard before your music very much spoke to me i mean i got it my favorite of the ones that i heard so far i like a, a, all of them but i really really enjoyed crustacean and and i i, cool. I just it was um I don't know. I just get it. I'm one of those. I could probably sit and hang out with you and you could talk and I'd be like, yeah, man. And you wouldn't have to yeah. sing or, or now let me ask you, are those lyrics that you're going to sing or is that like poetry you put under your music or yeah, what, how's that going to be delivered with that? Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's, it's also another experimental phase where I'm, you know, because I don't have a computer, I've been downloading these apps and just experimenting like different effects on my voice and seeing like, actually with my voice the way it is right now i have kind of a natural effect going on yeah it's a good rasp man. <laughs> yeah, it is. i like it <laughs> i have to smoke but, six packs to get to that <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what it, it sounds like i smoke 10 cigars i know <laughs> but um yeah man really and and here here's the route that was really unplanned was um you know, I, after being influenced heavily by um, a lot of different bands that I, you've heard of Cornerstone Festival, right? You shared that with me the last time that we spoke. That was actually the first time that I had heard of that. I have Yeah, right. So my original idea was like, you know, when I was there and I heard heavy music for the first time, I'm sitting there like, what? These people can do this and tell people about God and I'm just bewildered almost, you know, cause I had never seen anything like that. But initially my idea was, okay, we're going to make some backing tracks. And then in time, you know, if God wills it, he'll provide members. And from that point, if he wants to take this and do something more with it, then, you know, it's, but literally just a step at a time. Like it's a one person thing right now. And I'm seriously considered, I think 
I think I'm going to do these lyrics for this track by myself. And I think I'm also going to include some sound clips of like, um, you ever hear kind of nostalgic recordings where they sound dusty and it kind of just sounds, yeah, right. It has kind of just a clip of someone reminiscing on something. Mm -hmm. I was going to throw a couple of those in there also too, but auto tune and reverb right now is what I'm looking at. Auto tune used in a proper way. I might add and reverb in a proper way because uh, this is just you. And I want to backtrack for our listeners. You do have an eight track EP that's on Bandcamp right now entitled Hydra. How do our listeners go to Bandcamp? What should they type in to find your music over there? Oh, uh, so um, to find it on Bandcamp, you can type in um, Blue Ochre dot bandcamp.com and i can spell that out because i know it's kind of a confusing word please but, um, yeah that'd be great if you could do that um, it's b l u o c h r e dot b a n d c a m p dot com you know andrew we're going to help our listeners out too with that because this is prophetic art in its truest, truest form. And you are our first artist that we're interviewing for our second year, third year now. We're going into our third year of the Get Real podcast. And you are going to be our August prophetic artist of the month. And we're gonna post that information on the Lithos Cry website at lithoscry.com so that our listeners can get there because what you're doing is so artistic, so unusual in a good way it, it, and I, I just can't I just can't describe it. I mean, I am just so excited to have you on our podcast to talk about this today. Hey, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to buy your album. Let me. Um, it, is that the only place to get it? Is it on iTunes or is it you have to get it through Bandcamp? OK, so Bandcamp is the only place that it can be um, downloaded from right now. It is on SoundCloud, and those recordings are a little less compressed if you wanted to hear something less rough. But to be completely honest with you, I'm planning on, um, at the proper time, of course, but I am planning on getting it uh, on iTunes through, like, I think it's called um, DistroKid or CD CD Baby is another one. Um, But it's really cool that... You know, because 10 years ago, we didn't have websites like that that were able to bridge media distribution. So that's like, that's such a blessing that, that we can do that, you know. But it's, um, it's, it's a work in the making, really, right now. That's oh, good. It's good exciting. Stuff. It's exciting. And it's exciting to see you do this. What is your hope for the person that listens to your music? What is it that you desire for them to get out of it? and how you really hope to see God maybe even use it to touch them? Yeah, that is that is a good question. That is an awesome question, Glenn. High five, um, Dan. Uh, fist oh, oh, fist bump. COVID, COVID fist bump. Approved. There we go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's a radical question. So <laughs> I'm radical. <laughs> so on, initially, when I started doing this, I was not um, trying to design anything specifically. Like I said, I was experimenting with sounds, and 
you know as much as I do that sometimes when people hear certain sounds, sometimes those sounds are attached to certain memories or thing we, things we've been through. And so it started, um, I guess, for whatever reason, it felt like Yahweh was really just painting this soundscape of, of different um, cultures that I was in the midst of throughout a lot of my travels. And I'm sitting there like, man, what, like, God, what do you want me to really like take from this? Why do I keep, you know, channeling this, this sound of this memory? Like what's in this? So then I'm really looking at it. I mean, I took a, I took a break on it, but then I'm really listening to it and I'm like, this sounds like kind of psychedelic, but I didn't want to leave it on that impression because I know that that in itself is not going to give anyone hope. You know, if they're sitting there spinning the wrong way and they hear a psychedelic track, intent, unintentionally, it could sometimes make things worse for some people if they're dealing with something rough. And so I thought about it and I'm sitting here like, you know, there's something that happened to Ezekiel during his inaugural vision that actually, here's where it gets really interesting. After being immersed in that culture for a while and having my own intentional and unintentional adventures, um, Ezekiel's inaugural vision was the thing, honestly, that biblically explained so much that I had seen and witnessed in my life that I, I could not talk to anyone about. I could not explain. I sometimes couldn't even find words to talk to God about this stuff. But when I read Ezekiel 1, all of a sudden I'm sitting here like, I'm like, you know, I don't know the grace of God like the back of my hand. But I know when I read that passage, there was something that God did where he was like, this is why I led you through all this stuff. And this is really where your life falls into place in the, in how this book played out. And, uh, I really am trying to make something, um, that will convey something to like a widespread group of people throughout the U at least the U S hopefully. But this thing where I'm seeing, and meeting a lot of people in my own um, searching and seeking out God, but really um, hitting this common ground with men um, that there, there's um, what would we really call it? It's like, um, it's like a disagreed um, parenthood adversity or something where it's like, there's a large group of people that, because A, B, and C aren't present, they can't have D. And a lot of the situations I think are justice related, but I also think a lot of the situations are really misconstrued, just misunderstandings and disagreements that have been carried out for a long time. And I'm hoping that um, that there can be some some support and some encouragement and some solace throughout this CD that will speak to the listener and just remind them to like whatever it is that's going on in their life to hold on and to just try to find a way um, for God to help, um, to help us get it, to get our hearts in the condition we need them to be to, to share them. Cause if we, 
if we bottle all this stuff up, I mean, even me with these lyrics, if I leave it all codexed how I have it, yeah, it's cool, it's beautiful, it's poetic, but I, I really want to break it down a little bit more so that even the person that's not as, you know, um, thought-provokingly advanced can still really grasp a core concept from it and be like, you know, this doesn't sound like what I would hear on a Christian radio station. That's that's really what I was kind of going for because I know there's, <laughs> that is there's, awesome. a whole, there's a whole generation of us that's out there. And like I was saying, there's nobody – when you have bands like Four Today and Sleeping Giant and these bands that are kind of, they're starting to roll off the radar. They're getting old. They're having families. I'm getting it. But like I was telling Glenn, you know, there's a big opportunity for a lot of us solo, even solo artists and undiscovered artists. It's a really big possibility right now for us. And I really want to make a shout out to that too, because I think a lot of people think that it's, it's this media struggle like, oh, how many likes can I get on Facebook? How, how, how can this look on SoundCloud? And I'll be honest, I fell into it a little bit. Why do you think the cover art's so fancy? <laughs> 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 but really, though, I mean that, man. I mean that with all my heart. That, that is that, that is, is so refreshing awesome. in a million million ways, man. I get it. Well, it's like like what I said. You're you strike me as the type of person that um, is sensitive, and you pick up on things that a lot of people don't. It can be a burden to have such antennae, right? Yeah, oh, it can. You're be a walking pain. around picking up on all the subtleties of these beautiful things. And you, you can feel kind of like you're flopping around sometimes. I, I feel like I'm like that too. Like I go through normal life and you're hearing and seeing and observing and feeling weight where other people don't even notice anything or they don't, they don't hear it. And, and you're transmitting all that dialectic yeah. and rhetorical information and emotion and, and all these things that you want to express. And people are like, you know, you want some Taco Bell? I mean, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where's Aw Shucks yeah. at? Remember when we were preaching and the guy came up and asked us where the restaurant was yeah, at? We're, yeah. like, we're like preaching the, the very foundations of the gospel. And, hell and the <laughs> right. gospel. And somebody's right. like, excuse me, do you know where the um, Bubba Gump shrimp is at? You know? No, that's, yeah. it's very refreshing, dude. And you're right. The market, which I hate using that word, but the right. normal yeah. cycle of things when you're like authentic and just sticking the antenna in the air and going like, Lord, you know, uh, reverberate something truly unique and you're not a click worshiper. You're not just, oh, what can I do to fit in with the cliche or the genre or make it big or get popularity and attention? There's other things going on in you. And when I heard, as soon as I clicked on your first song, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and I listen to some EDM. I, I've I've dabbled in new age music a little bit, but right. I truly was moved, and I, I really was. I, I hope I'm I'm very. This is the get real program. I, Dan's being real. I tell people straight up how I feel, and this is one of my favorite <laughs> interviews that we've done. And I really appreciate your creativity. I appreciate the music, and I think people will notice. And and I think. Um, you know, I don't know. It's cool stuff. Cool stuff. Andrew, you were talking about your misadventures just a few seconds ago, and I want to yeah. kind of round back to that. You right. found yourself 
you didn't plan it, but you found yourself in the middle of the riots in Detroit, Michigan. Oh my goodness. Can yeah, you share with yeah. our listeners what you shared with me about what you observed there <laughs> and what you saw? Okay. So the Greyhound bus system in itself is um <laughs> it's a it's a doozy, man. Like some people some people know how to navigate those things well. I am not that's not one of my gifts. I am not the best at navigating Greyhound bus systems, apparently. But um, yeah, man, I was in, I think, like Cincinnati, Ohio, and my tickets got all misplaced. I'll be honest. I fell asleep on the bus, and I wake up, and I hear, next stop, Detroit, Michigan. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, what? That doesn't sound like my stop, you know? And so the guy's like, yeah, everyone's got to get off the bus. So I grab my stuff and I'm like, all right, so I'm in Detroit now. Um, to be completely honest with you, man, I really felt like I, I don't feel like that was a mistake, man. I think God is starting to send me on this journey where he's letting me, um, He's letting me observe things from afar. He's letting me um, observe things up close, and he's he's keeping me safe somehow. It's like, like even with the car thing that happened, like you know, I've talked to situation people about situations like that that have been. They've said things like, "Oh yeah, some guy stuck a gun in my face and he took everything I had." It's like that's not what happened to me, you know. I didn't have anything like that. I have had stuff like that happen, but. Um, as I'm, as I continue on this pursuit that I'm on, it seems like, it seems like God wanted me to kind of have like a bird's eye view of what the world's going through and the real gap that our generation has, and like the emotional influx of these kids and the potential that I think is even being, um, increased at younger ages, really. And you know, when you have an entire population of one of the most ruthless industrial cities in the world and they try to say, hey, here's mass quarantine and just nobody does anything about it. Yeah, there's bound to be some intense disagreements after it goes on long enough. And that's what I got to witness. Um, so you get out of the bus, was, you, you're like carrying luggage and, and going through a riot just, or what happened? Okay. Yeah. That, that, that is pretty much how it was really. It was really, it was like three blocks away from the bus station. Like I could, I could see a crowd of people. I could see the cop cars down the road and I'm immediately like, I don't know what's going on, but there's definitely something going on over here. So yeah, I, I, all I had was a backpack at this point. So I walked that way and there's, um, I think I'm trying to think. A nice looking 16 year old Puerto Rican kid, you know, standing on a podium, sharing his heart about how he really felt. And you could tell that you could tell a lot of what he was saying. He didn't really have entirety of knowledge behind what a lot of the stuff he was saying. But you could also tell that there were a couple moments where, you know, how I was saying where there were feelings I felt where I didn't have words for them. I witnessed that kid go through that same thing where you could see that the emotion he was feeling was so beyond what he had been able to speak to those people within that 15 minute, um, 
protest where he had the megaphone out and I just wanted to observe that really and to see how how they're handling it, to see and to listen to different people's perspectives. Um, but the one thing I was telling Glenn about was it, it did kind of e- – either it was so much in God's hands that I felt his presence or I was just in a spot that was – granted peace or something. Um, I remember after, after that brother protested for about 15 or 20 minutes, um, there was another guy that took the megaphone and he said, all right, guys, we're going to do this March. It's going to be, they're trying to figure out, you know, where to march around and what to do. And I remember hearing the words peaceful protest over and over, but then I'm hearing all this like yelling and, you know, you, you, you have a group of people and you have, some good causes, some good reason for their effort. They want to be heard. They want to be known. They want to be noticed. Um, I think you guys even said in a few of your podcasts, you know, these kids, they, they, I've listened to just some of these kids ways of looking at life are so beyond things that I would never be able to think about. Um, so from that point, um, they did the march, and I was the only person in the protest that took my shoes off. So I walked barefooted because I was thinking, like, you know, I was like, if somebody's going to get that I'm here to proclaim peace, maybe they'll get it by me not wearing shoes. That's <laughs> <laughs> really what I went for, man. Like, I remember there were a few times where people looked at me and they're like, why are you not wearing shoes? And I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm here for a different reason, guys. Do you know who Jesus is? <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's one of those guys. I'm like, no, I'm not. I swear I'm not one of those guys. That is so good. And, oh, um, man. Yeah. And, and so it kind of felt for a while like I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know who oversees Detroit City Council or how they do all that with the helicopters and all the different, you know, fleets of, of guards and police officers everywhere. I don't know how it works, but I know in that moment, it felt like it really felt like whoever oversees that township, like they really earnestly um, seek to make sure that these kids get to at least um, step into this radical form of, of being who they believe they really are. And that was the part that I thought was so cool was, you know, I'm not regularly immersed in areas where people are suddenly like, Oh yeah, they're doing a protest. You should go here. Like tell the people what's on your heart. You know, that's not a norm where I'm from. So to see so many kids, you know, whether they're in agreement or whether they're against each other or whether they agree or don't agree on some stuff, just to see, the COVID not having rain over this was awesome to me. Really. It was, it was really cool. I did not have any scary encounters. I did not have any experiences where I got tear gas, nothing like that happened. I didn't get maced. I saw a few tear gas canisters on the grounds in some of the areas we walked through. So I know that that, that did happen in some of those areas, which is a shame, but, 
Um, I tried to keep it as minimal as possible. I spent two days there. My second night, I ended up coming across um, a really, really, I want to say this guy was at least 72 years old. He was a vet and he was with his son. I don't know if it was his biological son or not, but they were arguing and drinking over a bottle of Jack and just like angrily just taking it out on each other. And I was like, I don't know what's up, but I'm hanging out with these guys. So I sat down <laughs> next to him. I sat down next to him and they immediately are looking at me like, where'd you come from, weirdo? And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know what to say, you know? In that moment, another like argument breaks out across the street in this um in front of this bar to the left of me. And I'm looking and I'm like, you know, just trying to observe, trying to figure out what what are these people arguing about, you know? Like the protest is over, it's a late night, the sun went down, there's a cool breeze, there's food, they got beer, like what could possibly be wrong? And uh so I'm looking over there and I'm talking to these the father and the son and I'm saying, man, we should go like we should go make sure that they're all right, you know, trying to get them on this level. Like, you know, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they're arguing about, but by all means, they might just need who knows? It's 2020, you know? We gotta go there and see what's up. And um so I walk over there. And I just asked them, I said, hey, are you guys doing all right? Do you guys need water or anything? Um, and he, he looked at me kind of sarcastically and he was like, no, man, we don't need you here. He's like, go back over to that. Go back over to where that statue was at, where you were sitting next to your bum friends. And I'm like, I mean, I didn't catch an attitude, but it is crazy because a simple stereotype, like calling someone a bum, like that's one thing, okay? Some people might live in that and be like, hey, I'm a bum and, you know, this is the way I live life and I'm fine with it. But then there are those people that are in that position that are a little more delicate. And I could see when he said that word, the sun across the street, kind of like his head dropped down. He looked down and he took a big swig from the bottle. And so I walked back over there. And I'm like, all right, I'm done being peer mediator. I'm just going to read from scripture and find a safe place to sleep. So so I open up the book of John and I'm like, this is way too like psycho spiritual for them to understand. So I ended up flipping I ended up flipping to Matthew instead. And and after I'm I'm reading in Matthew just really okay, so I had a King James Bible and this Bible has mostly you know, it speaks a little more um, royal, royal-ish. It's a lot. It's got a lot of these and vows and 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 vines, and it can be hard to understand it. There's a lot of I statements, and it was the first time I ever did this. I took the I statements from the Bible, and instead of them applying to me like singularly, I spoke them as we to bring unity to the people I was around when I would speak the verse and about five, 10 minutes into it, the dad, he's like in tears sobbing. And he says, how did you know to come here? And he just started weeping and the son put his arm around him. 
<laughs> and he kind of jokingly looked at me and he said, what'd you do to my dad? And I'm like, I didn't do anything, man. I was like, I told him I felt like I was called to go to Detroit. I felt like that was in God's hands entirely. And for all I know, the God that I worship, the God that I follow, by all means, might rip everything out from underneath me just to make sure that one of his kids knows that he's loved. That's the God that came after me, man. And it was an honor, honestly, to be able to to be there and to witness that. Because I was, I'll be honest, man, I was in my emotional dumps trying to make the best out of it. And God took that and he showed me he reminded me, he let me know with, with all that he is that, that I'm in the palm of his hand, especially when it feels like I'm not. So, Wow. And just the humility to do that, Andrew, that's something that Dan and I have been talking about in the studio here is just that heart posture of humility. A lot of people, instead of just rolling with falling asleep on the bus and winding up in Detroit, would have been freaking out and anxiety and totally missing the moment of what God had planned or focused on themselves or focused on themselves yeah. in that, in that particular situation. And here you are giving of yourself in a situation that most people try to avoid. And in a situation that to some people would be absolutely frightening of winding up in a city that you're really not supposed to be in. Yeah. That just really speaks to the humility that you have and how God is using you. And for us, it's a privilege to be able to interview you and talk to you and to not just hear about your music, but to hear about where you're coming from. And this is a question that I have. How old are you, Andrew? I am 29 years old. 29. And you speak with the maturity of somebody who's been around the block quite a bit. And that comes from your fear of the Lord, I really believe. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. Beautiful. And before we wrap it up, Andrew, there is an affinity that you have for a particular individual that I have an affinity for, and that is Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I'll join you guys. There you go. There you go. <laughs> what is your favorite Spurgeon quote, Andrew? Are you guys still there? Yep, we're still here. Yep. Okay. All right. So there was this one. There was this one. Um uh, I, the guy's stuff is so brilliant. I can't get enough of it. Like I almost told you to postpone the interview for a half hour so I could read some Spurgeon, but I knew that, that probably wasn't a good idea. Um, and you can paraphrase. It's not yeah, holy. It's not, not no, holy lightning, no yep. lightning. No. I'm actually, I'm actually looking on my Instagram. There was this one that I remember I was thinking about the interview and I was like, I just wanted to share it with you guys. So I'm actually trying to find it right, right quick. Um, it was a really, really, really cool one though. I'm trying to think, I think, I think when I read this, I was in a group of kids that were all doing the whole, like, um, what's it called? Um, where they try to prove how manly they are. And so they're all like, you know, punching each other's arms and like, you know, talking down over one another. And I was sitting there and I'm just like observing this, you know, this power struggle of how the physicality of the situation would define manhood or maturity. And I'm, I'm, I'm just past it. I'm looking and I'm like, 
I'm like, I'm not playing that game, you know? And so I, I decided to read some Spurgeon's. And this this one's interesting, actually. So this one that I'm, I'm going to read, um, I think it was actually from the quotes of Mrs. Miss Spurgeon, actually. Okay. But um, it says, uh, it says, life is a more perilous ocean than the Atlantic. People talk about the terrors of death, but living has greater terrors than dying. Um, in Miss Proctor's poem, a child asks, what is life, father? And gets the answer that life is a battle where many fail and yield. Then the child asks, what is death, father? We are not surprised that when she learns that death is the rest, which comes at the end of the strife, she says, let me die, father. I fear to live. But the wise answer is you must live first and win your crown on the battlefields of life. Life is full of perils, but there is one who can guard us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of God at last. We need only to have Christ for our friend and he will bring us safely through all of our perils. But without Christ, we can never get home. And it ends with a tourist in the Alps said he needed no guide and he set out one morning alone and he never returned. And um, the reason I shared that with you guys was I just related to it so deeply because it, it helped me in that moment in that power struggle where God was able to kind of just give me a glimpse of like how temporary the, the pain I was experiencing was. And how much bigger the path is that I'm on and how that this ultimately is just some slight refining for that path that's being prepared. And um, also the end, how it, it was just a, a reminder, like how I'm, I'm so not alone in that. Like even in the moment where they're like, all right, man, here, take your four hits. I'm sitting there like, you know, am I supposed to sit there and feel like I'm obligated to take these or am I going to completely avoid the hoop altogether and be like, hey, when God set me free, he sent me free from you pounding five fists into my arm right now and I don't have to sit here and deal with it. <laughs> and so I walked out on the porch and I read my Spurgeon and everyone, you know, walked past and they're like, man, that guy's kind of different. He's kind of weird. <laughs> and um, I even asked him, no, while they were leaving, I'm like, I'm like, dude can I read this quote to you guys? Like, this is some brilliant stuff. And they're like, nah, man. They're like, they're like, you're a weirdo. Like I legit <laughs> got the, the, the fat W phrase, which is a step for me because it's better than, you know, when someone calls you a Bible thumper, you're sitting there like, it's not that bad of a word, you know? And it's not. <laughs> You're, I'm like, you're the weirdo for avoiding getting punched five times in the arm. Yeah, yeah I'm like, I'm trying to do stuff here. I'd rather not wake up with a bruise the size. Of, you know, I'm I'm good. <laughs> but good. It, it it really though. I I figured I would share that one with you guys. But but the guy really he he in what he shares, he was able to preserve the moral uprightness and the true honors that I think were embedded in those time periods where in, in translation of, of society and media, that, that honor is, is lost in a lot of what we read and hear on a daily basis. And so this is when I listen to Spurgeon to Mr. Spurgeon or Mrs. Spurgeon, 
they're both they both have awesome excerpts but whether i'm listening or reading one or the other it does not fail to center me in a spot that i know is 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 honorable so that's really what i use it for as kind of a kind of um kind of like a heart compass i'll use that really that is so true about honor i think it goes even one step further true honor is something that's actually disdained today in in today's society Absolutely. It's, it's so hard to find it's a precious it's really a precious pearl and just think andrew maybe a century or two centuries from now should the lord tarry somebody will be quoting you about not taking greyhound buses <laughs> right. oh man oh, it, it, the story man i'm never gonna forget the greyhound story <laughs> Dude, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even tell you what happened when i was in johnson city and i actually tried to get on the bus with no id no passport no identification what'd they do to you uh, <laughs> this is, I don't think I got to tell you the prelude to the bus adventure. Oh, so, okay. One of my best friends, his name, his name is Dale. And this guy, God put him in my life years ago. And it was one of those things that I just, I couldn't see how great this person was in my life or how full of, um, real honorable brotherhood like traits that this guy was. And so earlier on in my years, um, sad to say it, but we our our friendship was severed due to some mass disagreements. But we were reconjoined recently, somehow after my um my um my Mobile Alabama excursion. But anyways, so I'm sitting at this at the bus the bus station, and I call my buddy because he just if there's any corporate loopholes or if there's any kind of you know security guard standing in the way of stuff. I'm like, this is the guy I need to call. And so, <laughs> so I call him. He calls corporate. He calls the station. He calls Homeland Security. He calls all these places. It comes to the point where, like, um, the Greyhound station called the cops on me and told the cop to call my friend to get him to stop calling the corporate, <laughs> the corporate offices. They're like, I'm like, well, are you going to help me get on the bus? I'm not a refugee. I've proved it to you like six times. And they just they just continue to just play these identification games. It finally got to the point where I'm like, I'm like, okay, who cares about the ticket? I'm at this station. Within 10 minutes, some, some random – I'm not going to say random at this point. It was an elder lady that was maybe – I don't know. We're not supposed to guess women's age. (laughs) Wisdom. Very wise. She was a little older and her knee was bleeding really bad. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I have nothing but a first aid kit and a Bible in my backpack. So I'm going to do this. Right when I started like cleaning up this lady's wound and, and, and putting ointment, right when I put the ointment on it, the guy in the station runs out. He yells at me and he's like, He's like, that's it. He's like, you're getting arrested now. I'm like, the cops were just here. Like, they just talked to me. I'm like, this has been paid for for me to sit at this station. I'm just helping this sister's leg get better. And he says, oh, no, that's not how it's going. Calls the cop that was just there, you know, that knows my whole story. And somehow... 
it became like a, a godly humorous scenario where God was like, I, I mean, really like this was funny. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, at, at this point, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Like everything's been proved. They know who I am. They have my social security. They have my ID. Anybody not willing to take those, those credentials and to help get me where I need to go is just avoiding the process. And the, the police officer said, um, sir, if you remain where you're sitting, it's going to be a trespassing ticket. And so I looked at the police officer and I said, I said, you're going to write me a ticket with a question mark. I was like, that's what I came here for. and i wasn't being sarcastic either this is where it gets interesting is the cops looked at me like i was being sarcastic and then i looked at the sky when when they did that and i just shook my head and they started laughing and i was like all right guys i'm gonna go over here you guys have a nice day and i ended up right after that meeting this uh really cool this really, really cool kid that um, his name was Daniel and he was actually skateboarding on one of those like electronic skateboards with a lawnmower wheel in the center of it. And he stops and I look at him and I'm just like, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do or where to go at this point. So I just asked him, I said, Hey, do you know, do you know who Jesus is? And he's like, I do. And I'm like, I'm like, what do you know about him? And he's like, he pulls this um, this Hebrew Sefer Bible out of his backpack and starts reading from from Matthew, like almost like there was a specific verse that he wanted me to hear, and he wanted me to be comforted by. And um, he, I, I want to say it was Matthew twenty three. Uh, 25, sorry, 20, Matthew 25, 13, I think is it. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong. I'm looking. Um, nope, that's not it. Let's try 23, 13. Are you guys still there? We're yes. still here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this verse where is it? It is. It was right here. So initially when I met this kid, I knew that I was, I was not doing good spiritually or emotionally. And this kid gets put next to me and he immediately opens up, like feels comfortable right off the bat. And he starts telling me how he feels unworthy of his calling that God placed on his life because he's generally a hermit and he generally stays tucked away, away from large groups of people. But then he started revealing to me a lot of his artistic abilities. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, let this be a comfort, man. I'm like, I deal with a lot of that same stuff. And he just, he just talked and and talked. And then he pulls out some books from the Apocrypha. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't really dove into that. And so then he quotes this verse and he tells me to look it up. He quotes Matthew 23, 13. And um, I guess it helped me really understand my place in a lot of what I was experiencing. 
but the verse said something along the lines of um, woe, woe to the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites for they shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Um, they neither enter themselves or allow those who would enter to go in. Um, for they travel across the sea to make a single conversion. And when the conversion becomes a proselyte or a converted heir, they make him twice as much a child of hell as themselves. And so I was sitting there like, I'm like, Holy Spirit, dynamite coming out of this kid's lips, you know? And he's just talking and he's just care. We, we must have sat there and had a conversation for half the day, man. Wow. And um, he finally is like, are you hungry? Do you have a place to go? And I'm like, no, man. And, and so he invites me to his house and gives me like a really comfy bed to sleep in and like make some food. And I'm just, I'm just there really taking in like that whole day. You know, like I had not lived up until that point. I had not lived that dependent on God in a long time. You know, that's really so cool. It, yeah, it was really, really, really comforting. Um, I actually, I'm actually hoping to connect with him in the future, um, and possibly include him on the ministry. To be honest, whatever comes from this in the future, um, actually, I consider him a prime candidate as a as a team member. You, you guys as well, obviously. Thank I feel you. Like, hey, Dan, yeah, guys, fist bump. There we go. <laughs> seriously, seriously, you guys are doing something that if you guys haven't had the full return on it yet, I think you're about to because there are so many undiscovered artists that I think are going to be doing similar stuff like this up, up and coming. And you know what? When I come across them, I'm going to point them your guys' way. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, man. And you know what? The next time you go traveling, give me a call because it sounds like an absolute rush to travel with you wherever you go. So Dan and I, we will <laughs> we will pack our bags, our teddy bear and our toothbrush and, and off we go with Andrew on a trip. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> thank you so much yeah, for man. joining us today. We enjoy your music. And for those of our listeners that want to find out more about Andrew, check him out on our website, lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. Everybody, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.